music down, please, because I'm having a really hard time. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah, I'll just turn right down. Thank Sorry. you. Thank you. Expect me to talk? Hello and welcome to episode 190 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host Becca and as always joined by my fellow co-host Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening folks. I'm feeling alright, thank you very much. Good to know. I'm missing your witty repartee well you know i'm trying to upgrade myself <laughs> ah. i hope you don't have any parasites that's yes we think of something that we totally didn't talk about for 10 minutes before we get <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to compare that, and contrast that, that, that sounds like a, a, a cue for uh, some padding i think yeah well that's all right this film is a bit thin so if, if only there was another film with an almost identical uh <laughs> and tom hardy alike in it from a, more, from a now more lauded director um i mean we, we say this film's a bit thin but part of me sort of likes it because you know so many films these days are like over the two hour two hour mark it's you know, I actually forgot when when coming to watching this, it was like, holy shit, this is ninety minutes. It, it, yeah, I mean, it well, was by the time you apart. throw all the credits and bollocks on, it's about hundred and twelve. Yeah, no, sorry, a hundred and two rather, I think. And but, like, yeah. you know, but I, yeah, I, it goes to credits on about ninety one or something. And I, and I paused it for holy shit, it's only like what about ninety minutes, and it like had like twenty minutes of credits, forgetting that it had the uh, the the teaser for uh, the. The next film we'll, we'll be doing, which the 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 these um, the multiverse, the Spider-Man uh, multiverse film. Uh, it had it's, a teaser for that, did it? I didn't get that far. Yeah. I saw the Cletus Cassidy one, but we'll get to that. Um, uh, yeah, we'll come. We'll come to all that when we we'll obviously talk through the film. Um, yeah, so we are now beyond the sort of Spider-Man films, and we're into the sort of Spider-Verse. One might turn into the films. Basically, Sony still owns Spider-Man, but they've sort of outsourced making the main Spider-Man mm. films to Marvel, and they share the profits. So it's Kevin Feige's team and everything else that has all the creative control over that. But they obviously want to exploit the property. Sony are lacking properties, as evidenced by the fact they keep trying to bring back Men in Black and shit like that. Shame, uh, so they've, they've done these sort of spin-offs and obviously Venom it's no great surprise Venom is the first one out of the gate, we're still expecting Morbius at some point with Jared Leto but obviously this week and next week we sort of round off this this sort of series mm. with the two sort of spin-offs that are purely under the Sony label as opposed to Marvel, although obviously they are still um, Marvel characters uh, so what are we covering tonight? Becca. So yes, no surprise that tonight we are covering Venom, starring Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Ritz Ahmed, Woody Harrelson, Scott Hayes, Jenny Slate, Reed Scott, and a whole bunch of other people. Um, scored by David Jorgensen, uh, Venom created by Todd McFarlane and David Michelini, whose name I can't pronounce. Script by Jeff Pinkner, Scott Rosenberg, Kelly Marcel and Will Bill, directed by Ruben Fleischer and released in 2018. Yeah, um... Uh, Top McFarlane, I believe, also created Spawn 
He didn't, did he? Uh, I think that's kind of where I heard that name before. I was like, yeah. he sounds familiar, and that's why. Spawn was done as a... I can't remember who was in it, but it was like a low-budget 90, 97 film, something like mm. that. Um, but it's one of those films that, in an alternate universe, instead of like Blade kicking off this whole sort of epoch, it could have been Spawn, if it had been a bigger-budget film, or somebody like a Norrington or Del Toro or something making it Spawn. There's still a great film to be made out of Spawn. There's a little bit of sort of Spider-Man about it. There's a little bit of the Punisher about it. There's a little bit of Ghost Rider about yeah, it. There's a lot ba- of little Batman. sort of... Yeah, it's like amalgamation. Yeah, a little bit of Batman. It's a very sort of dark adult take on, on a sort of superhero with a bit of tragedy mixed in. And it, it a Spawn could be kind of interesting, but you can see Venom is from the same sort of creed, although it was part of the sort of mainstream uh, Spider-Man mm-hmm. universe. I think I've said this in one of the previous shows, but if you just want a quick rejoiner on sort of Venom done pretty much right, dialogue's terrible, but go watch the 90s cartoon. It's it's a first season episode. Well, it's three, three-parter, I think. I think it might be called The Symbiote Suit or something like that, the, the three-parter, but it's it's the whole I've, Venom story. I've started watching the, um, the animated series. I started going through a few of like, the first few episodes. And it's, it's actually pretty good. I mean, yeah. Bear in mind, it is uh, a cartoon, and you know he has to like talk through everything all the time. But yeah. it goes, it goes, you know, it's, it goes through all like sort of the characters and sort of set, yeah. like you know. I, I was impressed. Like, obviously, there's no. They decide not to go with um, Gwen Stacy. Uh, some, uh, I think, but they sort of introduce uh, Felicia Harding as like a love interest. But they kind of. It's kind of like it's a good thing about doing like an episodic cartoon because it can introduce like Mary Jane and then like the the, the episode before Mary Jane is introduced, Aunt May is saying like, oh, I need to get you that uh, set you up that date with that nice new girl, uh, uh, MJ or you know like like that. So it's even then MJ's talked about before you even seen her and she's therefore introduced in the new, next episode as. Uh, you can tease things, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's got quite the multifaceted nature of the Batman animated series. No. There's, there's things about the Batman animated series I'm not that fond of in that I have always had a slightly... Um, I don't really like the bat, the design of Batman himself in it, the costuming and stuff. I've always had an irrational hatred of the yellow ellipse on the chest, anyway. But there's a, there's yeah, there's few things in it I'm not that fond of. But just the depth of it, you go and watch something like Heart of Ice and the Two Face episodes and stuff, and they they really are aimed at um, almost an adult audience. In fact, I've put on. I remember years ago when I was dating someone who had a child and I put on Batman the Animated Series for him and within a couple of minutes I decided to switch it off and find something younger. Whereas I think Spider-Man is much more made for kids. But they're of the same ilk in the over over its run of 60, 80 episodes, whatever it is in each case. They they really do show you the whole rogues cat, you know, gallery and mm. a, a completely cohesive universe for, for that character. It's pretty good, but it, it it's quite a handy way to see how Venom was meant to be. It's because you get introduced to like these characters and they reoccur, you know. Um, so you get introduced to Eddie Brock, and he's just like you know a character that's in the background, you know, consistently. Um, you know, and you have like other characters like Flash Thompson and things like that, and mm. 
And while they're not like the the main or always part of the main story each time, they kind of they they kind of like continue on, and it just adds depth. And you kind of like you know by the time they, they decide to do anything more major, like with Eddie Brock you know, with the with the Venom, all all the sort of groundwork's already done. You sort of it's all ready to go, and you don't have. And you you know you can just sort of get on with things a bit more, and it's uh, you not have this completely just oh we have to introduce Eddie Brock and and then he has to do this and to do that before you even get remotely anything the Venom suit. Do you know what I mean? So, and again, it's because it's episodic. You you do get different villains each week, and they mm. they sort of circle round, and you see them again, and it it's it's nice like that. If you get a villain you don't like, you know, tune into the next one. It you, you'll get you know somebody a, a, you like gives... this time. It gives everywhere, you know, you get vari- the various goblins. You get the hobgoblin at some point, as well as the green goblin. You get all of them. first as well, I think. Which is... I think you get the hobgoblin first, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I've seen it all at some point, and it it does definitely... There's a bit of early CG in, in it as well, in some of the city mm-hmm. design. But it also takes some of that slightly noirish feel from the Batman animated series, just in the city design. Um, if I've got one problem with it, I've I've said it in another week. They 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 animate Peter and Spider Man far too big and bulky. Um, but apart from that, it, it's it's Spider Man as it's meant to be done. I, w- I would recommend the ninety nineties um, series. I I grew up with the eighties version first off. The, I think it's nineteen eighty one something like that, and that's the version that went into Spider Man and his amazing friends with. Mm. Um, Firestar and Iceman, I think he was called. Um, I don't think they were comic book characters and it's made for the show. But um, I've never heard of these before. Um, Spider Man and his amazing friends is on Disney Plus. If you want to give it a look, um, I haven't yet. So when I picture Peter Parker, I sort of picture that version first because I think that was the first Spider Man I, I was ever sort of I ever got to see. Um, but as for Venom, before we sort of go into the film, uh, I think it's worth just talking about that cartoon. Uh, so in that canon, uh, Venom was a symbiote brought back inadvertently on uh, a space shuttle flown by J. Jonah Jameson's son, who we met in Spider-Man 2 uh, as Mary Jane's fiance. Um I've got a feeling he's the only one who survives the crash in the cartoon. And eventually the symbiote um, bonds with Peter Parker. And very like Spider-Man 3, he wakes up sort of upside down at night looking at his reflection in a window. And he's like, how the hell did I end up here? And he's in a black suit. Mm. And over time, that suit becomes influential on his behaviour he becomes a little bit more violent and a bit more direct in what we must remember as a kid's cartoon Um, and to cut a long story short he ends up separated from the symbiote the symbiote does not like loud noises much like in Spider-Man 3 bonds with Eddie Brock again sort of covered in Spider-Man 3 and so he's taken Spider-Man's abilities and molded, m- melded it with Eddie Brock's strength, because Eddie Brock's a little bit of a big mm. bruiser. Um, and so, yeah, he was already stronger in the black suit anyway. His webbing was quicker, more natural, stronger. Yeah, he, did, and... he didn't, didn't obviously didn't run out of webbing, so he didn't have that problem anymore. And 
Yeah, so bonding with Eddie Brock, you've got a stronger version of Spider-Man bonded to, like, a bodybuilder. So Venom was always a stronger, more morally ambiguous uh, version of Spider-Man, basically. That fit? Have I been fair on all of that? And then there have been various spin-offs and symbiotes over time, mm. like car- Carnage and so on. Yeah, that's really yeah, that's really useful to know because I think even though I was like into sort of like cartoons and animation like gradually growing up and in my teens, I somehow seem to have missed like animated Spider-Man, animated Batman. Um, I re- only recently came across like the classic Superman cartoons from from back in the day. From Fleischer, yeah, they're all on Amazon Prime at the moment. Yeah, in the that's UK. probably why. But yeah, no, I, uh, I picked up a, a box set recently, which which was amazing. Um, mm. And I just kind of felt like I was, you know, watching a piece of comic book history, and oh, that sounds a bit strange. But... They're like tone poems set to music. They are, they're literally, the artwork is fantastic. They're very very influential. You, you went, when you watch Batman the Animated Series and see, like, the t- even the title cards, you'll mm, see yeah. how heavily influenced by Fleischer it is. Yeah, I've seen, like, a few, um, like, I've seen a few, like, clips and, and images and things like that as well, and I can definitely see the influence there, and it kind of looks kind of very, like, gothic and sort of very 30s, 40s kind of influence. And, and some of the... Some of the um, team that created Batman the Animated Series went on to create Superman the Animated Series in the second half of the 90s. Ah. And that's pretty good too. Totally much, much lighter. But again, plenty of episodes to go through most of the rogues gallery and a sort of retelling of a lot of the lore. But yeah, I think the biggest problem I envisaged when we were going to get a Venom film distinct from with with no Spider-Man in it is... So much of the look, ability, skills, and everything else of Venom is is literally derived from having bonded with Peter Parker. So I did wonder what this Venom would be. And effectively, they don't really have him swinging; they just have him doing the climbing bits, don't they? Yeah, I mean, there's there's parts where like with the the suit itself like flies out and things like that. Mm. Um, and I think, but you know, I mean, I think I think they do pretty much. What they, as much as they can do without having to establish Peter, Peter Parker, really. I mean, obviously, he can't can't do the webs. He hasn't got like the the spider symbol on his chest. Um, but that, but I think everything else is kind of there. It's just kind of accepted that that is like the true form of the symbiote, mm. really. Yeah, but, I mean, the head that the, the head design is like bang on what I would picture Venom to be. Mm. Um, even much, much more well, more so than the 2007 version. Although they got the look of that okay. Um, yeah. So, what else to say? Cinematographer for the film, Matthew Libertek. Um, looking through, he's done a lot of. Um, he worked with Joel Schumacher a fair bit, so um, Tigerland and Phone Booth and stuff like that. He's worked with um, Darren Aronofsky a few times. And again, whilst it's it, anyone who knows me knows I'm not a Darren Aronofsky fan, his films look really nice, always. You know, The Fountain is mental, but it's a beautiful-looking film. Black Swan is a beautiful-looking film. Worked with John Favreau, so he was did the first couple of Iron Man films. He did Cowboys and Aliens. Um, and most recently in the comic book universe, worked on Birds of Prey as well. Ludwig Jorensen, we've covered his work with both Creed and the Creed sequel, but he also did Black Panther. So there's a little bit of... Um, yeah, there's a through line there, isn't there? There's a through line of, like, they've got a bit of a sort of comic book history and decent comic book films as well. Um, and he's currently uh, do just done the score for Tenet, the Christopher Nolan film. That's going to look and sound amazing. Mm. I really cannot wait 
weak or the the more pre- unpredictable link is probably the director Ruben Fleischer, because he did both Zombieland films, which are well thought of, but he also did Gangster Gangster Squad, which is really nothing. I, I mean, haven't seen either of them, unfortunately. With this, with this, um, this director, I'm not familiar with any of his work, unfortunately. I'm probably like I'm, I'm really not very really literate with this film at all, unfortunately. No, he's currently filming Uncharted with Tom Holland, another uh-huh. Spider-Man link. Uh, Uncharted, fact, is, Uncharted has been a game of pass the parcel around different directors, though. So it has, yeah. That's um, going to be interesting I, when that comes out. Definitely, I, I can't see that like ever being resembling anything like the Uncharted games because it's like, well, it's like, well, it's Nathan Drake as a youngster. It's like, well, it, it's not yeah, it's not going to resemble the games, is it? It's, it's going to be kind of a very, very kind of poor facsimile. Yeah, it's just like it's just it, it just seems like an odd thing because in many ways it's like. Computer computer game movies don't seem never seem to have worked. No, they don't always translate very well to the screen, do they? So, or with something like this, you think like, well, surely you can just like, like knock off like a, a brief, like a a basic version of 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 any game, and you should be alright. Do you know what I mean? Like it's because because the you know the games themselves are you know you no know, lift. Or play like a movie anyway. Half the yeah, time. they're quite cinematic. Like some of the the, the cut schemes are um, really cinematic. I've, I've not played any of them because I haven't had a PlayStation since the second generation of PlayStation, yeah. and they're PS exclusives. So I've never played them, but I've seen footage. I've seen like in-depth reviews. I've got a feel for what the universe is. I've always said that the reason we've not had decent comic book. Uh, uh, sorry, decent video game adaptations is the level of talent involved in making them. Mm. You know, um, if you took the teams, the people that have made traditionally comic book, I keep saying comic book, sorry, video game adaptations, um, if that was the level of talent that had been making comic book films, they wouldn't be any good either. Um, I think the, the one issue with Uncharted is it's very, very heavily influenced by uh indiana jones anyway so it could it might come out looking like a bit of a knockoff anyway that, that the is other... the problem anyway isn't it but yeah yeah in video that's games you you accept those weaknesses though, though that being said like would anyone begrudge a knock because you know we're not getting india any indiana jones films at the moment so I would that's going to be the next all. best thing, isn't it? I, think. So, yes. I wouldn't mind at all. There's there's enough room for interplay between, uh, you know, him and the, is it the Sully character, mm. um, to to do something with that. I've got a feeling Mark Wahlberg might be playing the Sully character. Um, there, there's Dave. There, there's talk of because um, it is younger, isn't it? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg's playing Sully. Obviously, had this been made by David O. Russell back in the day, he would have played Nathan Drake. Uh, Antonio. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. He would have been, you know, really well cast. I think. Um, I don't know. Not from, I think so. It's Nathan Drake's so characterized to a certain mm. degree. I think that's also that's a problem. He's so characterized, uh, like in in. I the suppose game. yeah, he's, he's quite iconic, isn't he? I guess. And and people would would uh, well, any fans of the of the game would be like, no, it has to be Nathan Fillion, but then he's a bit too, too old, old now. A bit mm. too old and a bit too he's heavy. He's aged out, yeah. to be rude, but you know he's not. He'd have to seriously get in shape, and it, and he's arguably too old anyway. Mm. So if you want to make a series, unless of they did like Nathan Drake, the later years, maybe if they if they want to make you know the, a, a sequel further on down the line rather than go and follow well, the prequel route, I that don't was know. Be my next point: What studio is it? And Sony. Uh, there yeah. you go. I, uh, my reason for saying that was 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's Sony because Sony are lacking um, properties. So you can see why they've gone young. They want a series out of this. Yeah, they want something they can um, develop again and again. So we'll see. But yeah, so when Ruben Fleischer came to this, I, my first thought was, this may not be anything special, but it it might be pretty serviceable. And then I heard Tom Hardy was involved. So I thought, well... Tom Hardy's not necessarily a mark of quality in that his, his end product is variable. It's not definitely going to be superb. But, you know, that led it, uh, that lent it a certain weight. And so I was kind of looking forward to this. But, again, it's this compromise of not having the uh, universe, you know, the proper Spider-Man mm. universe tied yeah, into it. Yeah, I suppose it's a, bit, it's a bit weird, isn't it, having like, a Spider-Man film but without Spider-Man, but because it's kind of outside outside that universe i guess um maybe that's why this film is, is so slight because you kind of even though it's from sony it's from the marvel stable as it were um maybe it's because you haven't got as many outside influences you haven't got you know silver much a collaborative effort um but you haven't got as many executives you haven't got as many fingers in the pies um saying oh you should do this should do that should do the other um i don't know that's just conjecture on my part yeah. i mean be, the sequel's interesting as well to to look at because that, that's um, that that's have all anyone returning as well. You know, you know, obviously got Woody Allen, Woody Allen, Jesus Christ, you Woody Allen, <laughs> Woody Allen in a symbiote, <laughs> doing it from um, in France or wherever it is he lives now. Naomi yeah, yeah. Harris is going to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's she's going to be uh, one of the villains uh, and directed by Andy Serkis. Yeah, so it's got a really good cast, a really good production team behind it. You know, I'm, I haven't seen Venom now, even though I would agree it's a very slight film. I am perhaps a bit more excited for the sequel. I did note this. I'd forgotten about this. Robert Richardson's the cinematographer for yeah. it. He's, yeah. probably, he's probably my favourite working cinematographer at the he's moment. He's going to look good. Um, and, and I include Roger Deakin in that. Um, yeah, so we'll just have to see. I don't know who's writing it. Screenplay by Kelly. It might change somewhere down the line. We don't know. Kelly Marcel. She wrote. Well, she wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, which ain't so good. But she also wrote Saving Mr. Banks, which is excellent. Well, that brilliant film. Mm, that's that's on Disney Plus. If anyone, yes, not yes. Uh, yeah. If you fancy a um, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins, yeah, um, <laughs> or Bill, that would be that's a perfect film. And because if you go back and read the original books as well, and then you go back and hear the interviews with with the original author, I just think Emma Thompson's performance is spot on. She actually gets a lot of stick, but Does you she? know she delivers. Emma Thompson's really well thought of. No, I mean just for, just for this film, just because oh. I, I remember speaking to a few fans who are like who are kind of quite diehard sort of fans, and they go, "Oh no, she doesn't sound anything like P.L. Travels." Rah, rah, rah. It's like, well, if you go back and listen to the original interviews, which they include, you know, at the end of the film. I, like, I like oh, that. It's like upset. Yeah, she's really well. she didn't doesn't sound verbatim like. Yeah, none of us know her voice apart from the real dog. Well, no, exactly. That's it. You know, and yeah, I think it's really interesting that they do include like the original interviews because then you can kind of you get more of an appreciation for it rather than just I mean, to to portraying fair, a stuck-up English person. But actually, if no. You're for, if you're looking for close casting, Tom Hanks is nothing like Walt Disney. Well, no, exactly. <laughs> It's a story. But, but, he, but, but then he is perfect casting because you, you just get Tom Hanks and just you know be enigmatic and kind of 
large than life. And, yeah. and it's like, great, perfect. Can't think of yeah, better. That's what I, I, yeah, but you've just backed up exactly what I'm trying to say. You've got the essence of what you're trying to get across in exactly, this character. Exactly, that, that's what you need. Precious. That's what you need. And you know, Emma Thompson, it's all about Peter Travers, really, at the end of the day. So... It's a great film, though, um, Saving Mr. Banks. It was, I think it might even have been in my top ten of the decade. I think it was mm-hmm. really Definitely, yes. Film. I can highly definitely rate that um, film. Yeah, it's really good. And I don't think you need the, to the, be... Yeah, the best Mary Poppins film that's been out recently. It's the best yeah. Mary... It's probably the best Mary Poppins film, because the funny thing <laughs> is... Apart from Mary Poppins. <laughs> I'm not a big Mary Poppins fan. The sequel right? was okay. It was charming. I'm not knocking any of it. I'm just saying I'm not personally a big fan, and yet... The biggest tribute I can play pay Saving Mr. Banks is when it finished, I wanted to watch Mary Poppins. Well, I think that's natural, isn't it? That's, Which is not, it's not even it's, a film it's, it's that I'm It made me more nostalgic for a film that I get quite bored by. <laughs> so, <laughs> i got fond I, memories of that film, dancing to you know with, with my gran when I was ready to do about two or three on the sofa, pretending we were dancing on top of the chimney top. So that's my memory of Mary Poppins. Yeah. It's quite sad, really. Yeah, it really is. But, <laughs> but yeah, roasted his specs for that one. Happy memories of that film. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fun time. Yeah. So the next the next Venom film is going to be uh, subtitled "Let There Be Carnage," and I don't know what to ah. expect. I've seen some I've seen some um, uh, set photographs. Um, Woody Harrelson doesn't quite have the mental hair he's got in the post secret, you know, post title thing is, from is, this. Is it is it not as like slapped on wig? No. It, it did look like, look, like a wig on. Difference. It looked like he'd, he'd come, he stepped right off, you know, his role from Hunger Games. I thought, hold on a minute, he's Cause... been to the capital and had a hairdo. Well, it made the Hunger Games look restrained. Well, it did, yeah. Crazy hairdo. The problem with with um, I, I found with the, you know put putting this uh, put, uh, what they said Woody Allen again, uh, Woody Harrelson <laughs> in. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but let, let's just call him Woody and be done with it. Um, Woody. Woody but, H. Put, but, yeah. Um, put putting Woody Harrelson in like uh, as Carnage just seems like it's great as a cameo in, in an end credit scene that she'd never get to. But yes. but after but doing something remotely serious afterwards, would you seriously cast Woody Harrelson? And he said, "I was like, would you really?" <laughs> Allison this has been a repeating problem. <laughs> I can just feel it when we say Woody Allen in the background. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not super. Yeah, Woody Harrelson was great. I, I know Venom far better than I know Carnage. Um, <laughs> but I am aware of Cletus Cassidy. I, I've got a mental image in my head of what he looks like, and it's it's not Woody Harrelson. It, he's the wrong age. He's the wrong energy. But it's too also, cartoonish. You know what I mean? It's like it's something you see in an SNL sketch. Yeah, yeah, I'd go along with that. But let's wait and see. I mean, yeah, that that's kind of boxed them into that's now the casting. Yeah. Um, and just because you liked working with him on Zombieland or whatever. But anyway, Ruben Fleisch is a strange fish as a director because Gangster Gangster Squad was such a bland film. Um. Yeah, great cast. Potential really good cast. Potential to be actually really rather good fun, like proper, yeah. proper like untouchable type. You know, no, and we, we really are missing sort of films that have that sort of noirish forties, fifties yeah. LA look to it. Sort of, it may have been Chicago. I can't remember now, long time ago. But yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. and it, it came out. Like it was in LA, but after, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean, like that. It that... came out about eighteen months after the video game LA Noir. And I know after that there were attempts to create those types of TV series. I know Frank Darabont was involved in one of them. 
and obviously that all died away but there was a, a period where that sort of golden age of hollywood era sort of tv series you know with gumshoe type mm-hmm. detectives in it and all the rest of it were, were sort of de rigueur and it died away gangster squad could have really served that but the film wasn't very good it wasn't terrible either it's just like as evidenced by, I can't remember where it was set and stuff, it, it's kind of forgettable. It's just I vaguely remember some of the cast, and it's like, Christ, that's a strong cast you've wasted there. Um, but there you go. As for this film, if I just sort of lead off with some um, opening thoughts, really, um, I'm surprised at how well it did, just because you know Tom Hardy's a name, but not every film he does is a massive smash by any stretch of the imagination and not every comic book film does do 850 plus million you know on its first outing sometimes you know the sequel will pick up and do that sort of money Mm. and it's not a wildly expensive film as as judged by some of the effects which we'll come to uh when the venom symbiote is sort of fully in encompassing it kind of looks all right but it looks really kind of... I haven't seen effects like that since the War of the Worlds adaptation, which was like 13 years before, mm. where it's got that kind of unfinished sheen on it. Um, it looks a little cheap. And apart from that, I just found it... Accent aside, because I'm not sure how good his accent is. Again, sometimes I'll hear an American accent and, and be able to judge it fairly accurately. I'm not sure with his but something doesn't quite ring correct with it. Um, but apart from that, Tom Hardy's really good in it. It's really charismatic as a lead. It, it works pretty well, but the story's kind of a little bit paid by numbers. It's it's quite cliched in the sort of evil scientists come entrepreneur and, you know, um, uh, who's a bit mad and sort of, kills you know get, let's one trait that we've seen before well really, the, the forcing it to human trials how many films have we seen that in we're not ready do it you know that do it now of, we've, seen, mankind. we've mm. seen it time and time again we're going to go to human trials before we're ready um i think they could have done a little bit more setting up the symbiotes but as you look at the sort of pacing of the film and do occasional time checks in the overall scheme of how long the film is and it is 112 minutes. Chris is right. It is 20 minutes of credits, not 10. But that is mostly because of the, the extra bit tacked yeah, on. Yeah, because of the, the mid-scene. Maybe the my version scene. didn't have that, because I think mine was 102 minutes. But it doesn't matter either way. We'll come to all that later. But the point is, in the overall scheme of the running time, pretty much everything happens where you'd expect it to happen. But the other thing is, pretty much what, what you would expect to happen is what's happening as well. So... On the plus side, we saw the sort of full Venom character earlier than I was expecting. I I just had this horrible image. It would be like Spider-Man 3. And with this sort of budget, we wouldn't see the full Venom until the last couple of scenes of the film. And I heard rumours of that. So fair play that we had full scenes of him. And unlike Spider-Man, some of the Spider-Man films where they take the mask off purely because they seem insecure about not showing the leading man's face... I think they did the right amount of it's Tom, it's the symbiote. The the characters were distinct from each other. They're both voiced by Tom Hardy, but obviously the Venom voice is heavily treated. I did look that up because they're very different. And the Venom voice doesn't sound like Tom Hardy in any version of his voice we've heard. But obviously, no, I was really surprised to learn. Um, 
little things like setting it in San Francisco. I know the Ant-Man films are set there, but we've seen an awful lot of New York. So, yeah, it's a, it's a nice um, change to be in a different like location, that. isn't it? I, I don't know. Uh, given that uh, Venom is synonymous with Spider-Man, I would assume um, Eddie Brock and all that is normally East Coast. So I, I liked that. It gave it a distinct look. Funnily enough, in the last episode, I promised Becca I'd watch Mrs. Doubtfire. And because I promised it on air, I watched it like the day before I watched this. And all it, right. It was like they, they must have like lived in like the same street. I think, they probably, I think they did. They did look quite similar. Yeah, and those those window expecting bays. Pierce Boston to come around and knock <laughs> on those, those, those window bays are quite distinctive, aren't they? They are. They're quite um, iconic. There is there is like a, there's a tour. Obviously, I've not been for probably over a decade now. But like there's a there's a tour, um, a walking tour that you can take, um, and they, those particular city set of houses they're quite historic as well, especially yeah. um, in regards to kind of like all the sort of fires and natural disasters that have happened yeah, they, around, they um, like around the area. They look almost like But they're quite yeah. famous. They look almost like Civil War era or something. I don't oh, they know are very, very that. much kind of of that kind of of that sort of time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they're quite sort of quite. Can imagine them you know, surrounded by countryside in a little house on the prairie or something. <laughs> on a um, but uh, as for Mrs. Doubtfire, just as an aside, I, d- I did enjoy it very much. But um, okay. but uh, yeah, so the look of it was good. Yeah, well, I thought it would great, and it didn't. I enjoyed it. But um, <laughs> no, I'm glad you watched yeah, it. So it's good look and feel, I kind of like. Score, I can barely remember. Effects look a bit unfinished. Good leading man performance. By numbers plot. There's a better film to be made in this universe. Uh, Tom Hardy, when I read into it, I thought he was a bit of a hired gun, but it turns out he's a bit of a venom freak in real life. He's amazing. Big fan fun of fact about that at the end of the show. Okay. Um, and so I don't think it suffered from being divorced from the Spider-Man universe as much as it could have. I think had they set it in New York, I think it would have been the elephant in the room. Um, so moving it was fine and it's just fine I think we will talk about uh, Chris's pun in a minute because uh, (laughs) when we've done opening thoughts it's worth mentioning that this is not the best film with a Tom Hardy lookalike with this presence made this year Um, which is a bit disappointing (laughs) Lee 1L he of The Invisible Man made a better film um, called Upgrade on a much much smaller budget with Logan Marshall Green, who's a bit of a sort of um, a bit of a hardier uh, like. like to look at. We, he was the first shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming, so there's a bit of a link there. Uh, very different films, but the premises are very, very similar in terms of what they're actually doing. I think it. I think it's like the kind of like talking to like uh, another intelligent being, like that can take control of your body. So it's like, oh, I'll like I'll you take over. And goes, okay. And give you a skill set whilst taking from you at the same time and adding yeah. a bit of darkness to your character. Um, very different film because that's much more in the horror genre. When I picture that film, it did have multiple locations, but I only picture his apartment when I think of that film. And I think it's because um, it was disproportionately set there because it's not an expensive film. They don't have a lot of money for locations and effects and God knows what else. Um, it's very much a horror film. It's got like a bit of a twist in it, which there isn't in this. But the premises, just if you just sort of name the three or four most important things about the story, you could name the three or four same things. And and um, but that's a film called Upgrade, which is just dropped on British Netflix, and I would assume worldwide. And it's worth a look if you've not seen it. Uh, but my but yeah, just to summarise my first thoughts on this film, though, it's kind of mediocre. 
Um, I had a better time with it than I was expecting because, like I say, take away the Spider-Man element. I thought this would be a lazy, cheap cash-in. The cheap element is slightly there in the effects work. Some of the action is really badly shot, and we'll get to it. Um, I don't think they delineate between the different symbiotes enough. I think the plot is paint-by-numbers, but there's just a good enough leading man with a just interesting enough relationship to his ex and his his ex's new partner and things like that. And a distinctive look because they've set it in in San Francisco, but shot it very differently from the Ant-Man films. It's not as busy a film as Ant-Man in terms of Ant-Man is always like having action sequence on busy streets. This is this feels a very deserted San Francisco. Yeah, I sort of wondered um, the same as well. It's one of those films where I kind of thought, oh, even though it's sorry to interrupt particular, but it's just kind of like where I'm a big one for kind of like looking at the setting and seeing it feels like a character in the movie. Um I didn't feel that as much. It feels like a setting, not a character. Yeah, it's, 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 still, it's, still, it's still a beautiful setting. city, and you still kind of get a sense of the city and a sense of the surroundings, and you see some of the iconic landmarks. But yeah, obviously it's a lot amazing. of it happens at night as well. But yeah, I didn't get that sense from this film. No, and it's amazing how varied you can shoot San Francisco for a city that's not as big as you would think. And no. Um, a lot of the houses look the same, and they do. Sit, but you know, compare this to any of the Planet of the Apes films, you know, the newer ones. Compare it to Batman, they all look very different. Um, yeah, it's kind of mediocre. I don't dislike it. I don't know how I'd review it. It's somewhere between a two and a three star film. And I think it depends how well disposed I felt on the day I sat down to write it. If I was doing that, I wouldn't argue with people that had really enjoyed it. But it's certainly nothing special. But at least it's pretty well paced. And Tom Hardy is more invested in this than I thought he would be. Didn't realise what a big fan he was. And I just thought this might be a bit of a phone-in performance. But every everyone seems kind of committed. I, the final thing I think I'll say is I, one thing I'd almost forgotten, and it's just occurred to me, is before it was released, Tom Hardy said something like, the, the best 45 minutes of the film were on the cutting room floor. So I was worried it had been hacked to pieces. Now, on running time, it looks like it might have been. And who knows if there was a really good film in here. Maybe we'll find that out from like the sequel, that they'll be emboldened by the box office to put a little bit more of whatever the vision is on screen. But it's perfectly serviceable. It's It's become fashionable to knock this film, but it's all right. Becca, what are, you, what are your thoughts? <laughs> that's, that's a review. It's all right. It's all right. Um, yeah, I don't really have a lot to say. Um, yeah, I meant to go and see this film at the cinema. Obviously, a big fan of Tom Hardy. Um, I said I meant to go and see this film when it came out. Just really passed me by for some reason. I didn't get around to it. Um, obviously, watched it today um, for this review, and it's okay. Um, for the for the the visuals, I kind of thought I, I was mildly impressed by. It. I think there's probably one moment where I kind of thought, oh, that's a little bit ropey. I think it's probably the scene. Um, where he's kind of like eating lobsters out of the tank and that sort of thing that looks a bit weird. Um, and there's, I think, during the during the fight scene in the um, in the apartment as well, where he's fighting off all the all the government well, government guys, all the the, the, um, the scientists claiming about their property. It does kind of look a little bit bit sketchy. Um, yeah, I, I say I think prime, this is going to sound really um, <laughs> I don't know quite what the word is. Um, uh, no, I was gonna say, yeah, Tom Hardy's like the, the main reason, you know, to watch this film really is, as Dave said, he is, you know, he's hundred percent invested in the role. Um, and even if like me, like you're, you know, new to the character, not familiar with it, um, 
and only coming to it through through a Spider-Man lens definitely is your you know is your reason to watch this. Not just because I'm you know I'm a fan, but objectively, um, you know he's he's one of these actors who really you know he can't really make that bad of a film. Um, but whatever he does, he kind of puts you know his heart and soul into it. Um, and even with this film, for example, where he where coming to it as, as an actor and a fan of comic books, he perhaps might not have been so familiar with this role, but he sought um, you know outside help and help from his family. Um, uh, to kind of, you know, try and get under the skin, as it were, of, of this character, quite literally. Um, so I think, yeah, the main reason there is probably Tom Hardy's performance, because, you know, stellar performance. Um, and you basically know you're getting, you're getting your money's worth, and then some. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it's a brisk pace. I was really surprised that it only being, like, 90 minutes, an hour and a half, I was like, wow, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen, you know, saw a film that wasn't an animated or children's cartoon, you know. Um, very short film. Or maybe um, a horror or a comedy. Oh, yeah, maybe uh, a horror, definitely something like that, for example. Yeah. But it's, it just really there aren't many, me. though. You're right. Um, no. Certainly not. Certainly not. I, I know this in, in superhero film terms, this is quite low budget. Certainly with it in the Marvel in, in universe abs- as well. In absolute terms, it's quite a high budget film. And high budget films don't come in at this sort of length generally anymore, do no, they? No, that, that did surprise me a little bit. I think, where's the rest of it? You know, or if there's going to be a particularly meaty middle end credits punch, but then obviously this is Sony. Um, even though it's kind of within the, the Marvel banner, as it were. Um, yeah, strong performances all round. Obviously, you've got two British actors, um, which is, you know, kind of a, a, a strong leaves there. Obviously, villainous character and anti-hero. It's quite interesting um, to see Tom Hardy kind of play that kind of role. Got a really, um, really diverse cast. I think that's fantastic. Um, cinematography, this one looks brilliant for what it's worth. You know, if it's slightly thin plot-wise um, and... San Francisco might be undeserved and maybe the effects might be, look a little bit ropey. Um, but still, the overall look and how this film was shot and, and photographed, just, it looks beautiful. The nighttime scenes could be paintings. I, I just think it looks really lovely. Um, short run time's got a quite brisk pace. Um, I would say probably Michelle Williams. Is that her name? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I forgot her name there for a minute. Again, it's all connected. She obviously she had a child with Heath Ledger, didn't she? Yes, she did yeah. indeed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was going to be one of my fun facts. But oh, I'm I, sorry. No, no, no. I, I thought no, that's a bit too. Everybody knows that, so it's not really a fun fact. It's kind of like in the public, in the public domain. Um, yeah, I kind of feel that like she's a bit underserved by all. Really, don't really see very much of her. Um, and to, really, to have a, have an actress really of, of her stature, I kind of felt a little bit like a bit like last, you know, last time. You kind of got all these really big name people in, only for them to be, you know whisked off screen for you know, for three minutes and I was just like, why you know, why have why have somebody of her standing in if you're not really gonna use she's it? She's never know? been a superstar, but she's always been a name. She and actually definitely... when you go when you go back through her filmography, she's just always great and she picks good stuff. She does and exactly. Not everything's gonna be fantastic in end result, but they're always interesting. She's got some really solid films there to yeah. you know, to her last... name. The last thing I saw her in was The Greatest Showman, actually. But even that was like a bit of song and dance. Yeah, no, she's mm. she's fabulous in that, definitely. Even though um, it's quite, quite, you know, very kind of. Kind it, of divide, film as well. it divided opinion. Shall the Marmite movie. So. I, I, I liked it, but I can see why people didn't. And no, I, I'm not into musicals. It's rare I warm to one, but I kind of liked that. But well, there we are. How about um, that? Right back to Broke, Brokeback Mountain. She was she was in. She was a little bit out, overshadowed by. Um, the, the other female lead, uh, who's also kind Anne of Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Anne, yeah, that's just, it. Just, yeah, she's just a little bit. Anne Hathaway there. was the bigger name and the slightly bigger part of the two of them. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I just you... kind of feel here that she was a bit underserved, but yeah, but yeah, that's, that's just my take anyway. Yeah, no, I'd go along with that. I mean, they tried to give us something to do, and it, it's nice to see them sort of 
trying to have sort of grown up relationships in breakups and things like that. At least that's like a new wrinkle, I suppose. Yeah, it, yeah, it's can... a kind of new nuance. I mean, she you still to give, uh, you know, she still gave a solid performance. Um, but I would just like to have seen more of her, just because you know I, I quite rate her as an actress. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, really. Yeah, I mean, definitely. she is in it quite a fair bit, though. I think the problem is she hasn't got much to do. No, uh, there isn't like. I mean, she does. You know, she's an Oscar nominee. She, she you know, does, aside as well as all the others. She she does help Eddie and and give him back the suit, and then Raxley turns up to press a button and on the control panel, but and, and that's about it. But the but she. But things she does add to it, she does add the, as they said, like a proper grown-up relationship. She is likable enough to for you to want to see her get back with with Eddie Brock, even though she's actually in a, what, by any standards, like an actually decent relationship with another, which is another thing, call. isn't it? Yeah. Which is another thing, isn't it? It's like you know the the kind of reverse of the, the douchebag boyfriend, is kind of like they're kind of reversing that that these days now, aren't they? It's yeah. Like the the, the other the other guy is actually pretty all right, and I'm kind of liking yeah, that as well. Not to, not to the point you want to slap him though. Do you know what no. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's really decent. He's trying to help. He's not letting jealousy get in the way. He understands his ex is still going to care. His yeah, girlfriend's still going to care. Enough. He's a bit of an asshole. Uh, it's like he's, he's right. sort of like he, he meets. He goes, oh wow, I, 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 I love I, I love I love your stuff. <laughs> and yeah. Like, yeah, and she's looking at him going like, what? <laughs> Really? Whoa. <laughs> um, I yeah no I I um I very much um think that they they did some decent work there and they 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 walked that tightrope of I mean Venom's an antihero anyway and and uh, a villain depending on the film a little bit like we're getting with the DC universe now that if Harley Quinn turned up in a Batman film she'd be the villainess if she turns up in Birds of Prey she's kind of the antihero lead. And I think the same is true of Venom. Venom in this universe is kind of the protagonist. So, um, but we've got to identify with Eddie Brock, and yet she's absolutely justified to dump him. Mm. Absolutely justified. Without him having alienated the audience, he's done the wrong thing and deserves to lose her. So it, it does it does some things very well. Sorry, Chris, I'm interrupting you. No, opinion. no, no, go. No, but yeah, it it does all that. Um, uh, you know, what else can I say about yeah? But with, uh, with Eddie, I think where the thing that Tom Hardy does really well is balance. Um, it's actually sort of the comedy aspect. It's not necessarily like doing doing the action stuff for the suit, um, or the sort of symbiote, I should say. The it it is like the the comedic aspects of like you know when he's talked to he like he's, he he jumps back in his bath and he's like you know make it lets out that a weird weird noise and it's just like it, it, it makes you giggle it's like you know it, it's, it's kind of, it makes it kind of fun to watch his whole reaction and reactions to everything i think he's actually in terms of uh, balancing the comedy but not making it too overtly comedic it doesn't um it doesn't unbalance the tone of the film no. and we've said that about so many films where you know one minute it's action the next minute it's serious and gravitas in relationships but the next minute it's slapstick and this doesn't unbalance the film the only thing i think i'd like to add to that is tom hardy is always in pretty good shape he he doesn't look like a wimp and yet when the guy next door is playing his music too loud pre-symbiote and he's like clenching his fists and getting really angry he actually sells us that like he's not got the balls to go and do anything about it yeah i mean yeah there's also like 
the the the, the well, as we understand as audience, there's also the consequence that might happen. It's like, yeah, well, you know, you still got to live next door to him, and that might not solve the issue. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's it's there's always that element, and plus also, I don't think he's like quite the next door neighbor's like a small guy either, is it? No. Um, but he, but he, he, I think um, you know, he does a really good job of you know, he he believing that he's he's a flawed character. But you get why he does what he does. He's just like, well, I'm, I'm an investigator. I, I want to push people's buttons. And it's that kind of no, not knowing when to stop and not when to sort of use your head a bit more. I think, no, I may, I may be saying a bit too much here uh, for, for for his own good, really. I think that he balances that well. Um, and I don't, nothing really jars. Nothing goes like, nothing's a bit too, come on, come on, mate, you would never do that. Uh, in a million years, um, and he doesn't play like a overtly tough guy, as you say, <laughs> but he he is confident in terms of being uh, like a journalist. You know, like when he finds out he's being followed, you know, he's quite convincing in that in that regard. Um, yeah, well, that's me convinced. You're making me like this film more than I did. <laughs> well, you know, it's... Well, instead of thinking it's really by rote, you're saying a number of things that making me making me think, yeah, they've really thought that bit through, and yeah, yeah that's I mean, a bit more nuance in that than I thought. I mean, you know, I mean, nothing you said is wrong, Dave, because it is there isn't really much there in terms of me. But then, in a way, it is a bit on. It, it's almost like well, we're used to like Marvel, and it's like two hour plus running time. And there's all these kind of things they've built, and there's all you know, they all adds on the, this character, and they've all done things really well. When in reality, this is like a really lean ninety-minute film. It got a good lead, relatively good cast, and yeah, there's not much to it. Yeah, like you know, upgrade is probably you know a bit more you know original and got a bit more guts about it, so to speak. But it's fine, you know. It it does it does its job. It's it's a fun watch. And I know who's. Let's see what the sequel comes uh, brings out. Um, the well, what I will say is that the the the, the last yeah you know, the the end fight again is a bit cliched, what have you. But you know what can you do about that? I think some of the special effects are a bit ropey. They're very ropey. There. Also, you've got very very dark creatures fighting against mm. dark background. I mean, I'm not too sure about. Uh, the villain. I'm not sure whether I like him as a villain or not. I mean, the, the, what Rizan? Part... Yeah, I mean, he's a great actor, and if anyone, he's anyone been just... given, he's been given a very sort of thin, cliché thing to play. I think that's my problem. It isn't just that it's thin, because I I understand what you're saying about. There's nothing wrong with sticking something straight up that 90 minutes, and there you go. But it it is all very. We've seen every single element of this film in terms of basic plotting. Obviously, we haven't seen the Venom symbiote in, as a yeah. lead in his own film and stuff, but just basically, you know, the evil scientist who has this grand but slightly warped idea of, of something that can change humanity, forces it to um, human trials too early. Anybody who whistle, whistle blows in this, the organisation is, you know, killed or disappears or whatever. We've got... Um, we even had it in The Amazing Spider-Man, go down to the Veterans Centre. Well, in this film, they're testing on homeless people. Mm. Um, it, it, we, there's nothing we've not seen here before. 
No. And uh, Riz Ahmed would have done extremely well to do anything with this, to be honest. I mean, I mean, he, I think he does. I mean, there are part things that there are parts of it that I do like. Like uh, he is relatively quite cold. And, yes. And he does, and he, you know, he he does that by trying to balance out like the kind of the public image of like, oh, I'm a really positive, um, positive guy, and I, you know, I and I, I give uh, tours to to kids, and I'm like, I know, he's but actually be... pretty, he's he's actually pretty charismatic with the kids. Yeah, but he's really good with mixing that with the you know the typical corporate bullshit as well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, but you know, but he, yeah, but he is like he does he does well being an arsehole, But the problem is. There isn't a lot to do. As you say, we've see, you've seen it all done before, and I'm not. I'm not too sure. Like, I'm as a as a villain. I don't know. It's when he gets the or when I should say when Riot regels with Riot. Mm. I don't know. It just feels like a bit of a cop out, really, because like, well, it should be him mm. is a villain, and you know, Riot should sort of take over. So, do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm not too sure that quite works as well. Or if you're not given it's enough. Just, it, it is, let's just wrap this thing up. All right, well, how do we have the final confrontation when, you know, Eddie's like an enhanced being? Well, I'll just put him in the other symbiote that's been tracking all the way through the film. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean... It's okay. The third act of this film is, is the weakest anyway, which isn't unusual. For, for action films, but no, because it is just like, well, let's wrap this up and let's yeah. have everyone fight, which is which is usually fine because that's when you usually have your big set piece. Yeah, anyway. but the set piece they don't really have the money to do it justice, and again, you know, black against black, and two symbiotes that look really similar. So and they literally are melding together, <laughs> and they're literally melding together at one point. It's like this is not visually thrilling. Um. And, and there are slight compositing problems where, you know, the humans are sort of momentarily released and they don't look like they're in the same frame. And it's just a money and time issue. Um, it, it's the weakest part of the film. But then I never got that into this villain anyway. Mm. It's not a, it's not a comment on Riz Ahmed's abilities. I think it's just a comment. The, the most interesting relationships in this are sort of, Eddie with his ex and Eddie with the symbiote. Mm. And the fact that I find the relationship between Eddie and the symbiote interesting is is sort of in the plus column. It it, it, it is funny because even like at the end, where like you make to believe that the he doesn't have the symbiote anymore, it, it kind of distri- it sort of kind of sacrificed itself. Mm. And he's talking to like uh, Michelle Williams. And you know, and you and you hear the like the reveal like of of hearing, hearing venom in his head. It makes you laugh. Makes you laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause, you know, it's like it, it does really work. I mean, I forgot, I forgot what the line of dialogue is, but it's like uh, it, it it's almost like you know, we'll get it back. Yeah. And and later on, it's like, oh, what are we having tonight? Uh, tater tots and chocolate. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like... And he's like, fair enough. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was the one thing that I thought was a plot hole the first time I saw it. We'll go to it as we go through the film because I never thought they fundamentally addressed the fact that his internal organs were being like eaten by this damn thing mm. and then all of a sudden that went through it away as a problem but it is actually addressed um and we'll come to it yeah because uh, yeah because obviously the um the reason why he's not that is because he's basically a match isn't it and that's why it seems to sort of come come out of him 
well. Oh, what it, what it, well, we'll, we'll say now. What it is is that um, the um, symbiote was feeding on his organs. Mm-hmm. Right, we know the symbiote can heal him, right? So any damage he does to the organs, the symbiote can undo. But um, he says there's a line of dialogue to Eddie towards the end of the film that just says, uh, basically, if you don't feed me, your liver's looking nice. It's, it's something like that, that basically, as long as Eddie keeps him fed with the stuff he wants to eat, Eddie is safe. There was just a period of time where he just wasn't feeding him enough and he was starting to he was starting to cannibalize Eddie's organs. Yeah, uh, but we it is established in the film that he can fix that as well. So it, it, that's at least one sort of issue dealt with. Um, but there you go. Okay, shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yeah, let's go for it. Why not? Give them about fifty minutes in. They do kind of get on with it, don't we? Go straight to like the space rocket. Pretty much, it's like uh, sort of opens yeah, in space. Film, even though it does have a very you know short runtime, it doesn't hang around. It whips along at quite a brisk pace. No, uh, it crashes in. It specifies a part of Malaysia, like East Malaysia or something, but it's definitely it's quite specific. Malaysia. Yeah, I don't know why it's specific because most uh, no offense to Malaysia, but most, most Western know. audiences don't know that much about that part of the world no um so anyway um it it kind of crashes i don't think we quite know why it does at this point no um i always thought there was going to be a reveal that they got loose in space and overwhelmed the craft or something Mm -hmm. could have been that we could get a retcon next time yeah because what do you remember those rumors about there was a film called uh life which had a, like an alien kind of orgasm thing. Uh, orgasm, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> organism. Right. I thought that was like a deliberate mistake, but it wasn't, was it? No. Uh, okay. the trailer. Life with Jesus a... Christ. <laughs> like, mixing up you know, Woody Allen and org- orgasm. Yeah, great. <laughs> oh my God, fine form. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyway. Anyway, Sorry. that's, that's so, a bit, that's a bit embarrassing. Adrian, an Adrian orgasm. Adrian so, orgasm. Yeah, so there, there were rumours that it was going to be a secret, like a secret prequel, like it set up Venom. Okay. Um, but it, it wasn't. Cause it, cause it's kind of odd because like the, uh, the org- organisation uh, is Life. It's called the Life Company, isn't it? Or, or something like that. Which would kind of make sense in... Um, yeah, it, um, Jameson is the only. Uh, I missed the reference uh, in the film, but what? Well, I didn't miss it. I just didn't absorb it. In that, like, just life after foundation. Fin- there you are. Yeah. Well, no, just after the film finished, I was like, oh, that was. J- they did say Jameson's the only survivor, so it's J. Jonah Jameson's son, but they don't flag it up here. No, because it's not really kind of spoken of, really, is the it? The implication from, is... Meeting reference it, at the end. The implication is it's in the same universe as Spider-Man, but it can't... Because of the quality control of Marvel, they can't consent to it being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so they keep the links kind of opaque. Um, but Jameson says um, something latched onto him. Mm. Um, and they... Yeah, so... Um, yeah, they, they basically... The ambulance crashes... Uh, and it's because the symbiote is basically attacked. Yeah. 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 And it 
basically attaches to one of the female um, medical team. Um, and it starts like walking along the road, and then we introduce to um, Eddie Brock. Yeah, the yeah, last thing to say on on her is she was obviously hurt in the crash, but it it shows you her leg healing. Yeah. So this symbiote, and it will become important. This symbiote has got healing properties. Yeah, healing powers. Healing I've already properties. dealt with that in the preamble, but we do see it here. Yeah, Eddie Brock. He lives in quite a nice place with his partner, who's a lawyer, and and the cat, and a cat, and he works for. He works as like a sort of on the street reporter, presenting the Eddie Brock report. Mm. Hard-hitting news, taking down local scumbags and, fi- you know, figures in power. Yeah, and he's he's basically, we get a bit of establishment on that as he goes around interviewing people and, um, you know, uh, expose type Cause, news. Because he looks stuff. like he's he's got his own website and he, he's, pretty, he's pretty independent, isn't he? But he's not. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, rides both ponies on that. He looks like a bit of a YouTube sensation, but it turns out he, he does work for a network because he goes to see his boss on you know the, a high floor of some building in San Francisco with a lovely view, and he's told he's got to go to interview Colton Drake, who is the head of this Life Foundation. But he says, you're just there to sort of... Sm- we've got to play the corporate game because he could buy us in, you know, mm. and do anything. Go and shut him up, basically. Go shake his hand, ask about his work. That's it. Eddie immediately says, but he's dodgy. Um, and I don't think the film has really established why Eddie thinks that. No, he's just... Uh, Not at this stage. No. No. I, I think, yeah. I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, I think it's just established that he's very much like likes to sort of like... Um, he's very much in the sort of like investigating... Uh, Big corp, big corporate money and and and, and government. As yeah, well, there spots. is a clip where he's talking about I think the dead being in landfill mm. and how companies don't care about their people and stuff or the yeah. poor or whatever. I think it might be that they've built on an area that was um, the homeless were living or something like that. It, it there is quite it's quite well established what he, he is there for the little guy sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like being the anti-hero. He's kind of got that. You know, he looks out for the homeless people, for the for the underdogs, for yeah. example. It, it is established he was in New York before, and he got sort of drummed out. Something to do with him being mm. hot-headed. So there is. It does hint at that old Eddie Brock temper, which we get when he was or, part. Or, of Spike yeah, Spider-Man. just pushing buttons he shouldn't be pushing, kind of thing. Yeah, like, pissing upset. off the wrong people. That's what his boss is trying to say to him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, basically, see... don't piss everybody off. Well, we can see from the footage we've seen of his reporting that he's actually given quite a long leash to do what he wants it's just this one time that he's saying well you don't piss off this guy but um so he's at home his relationship looks pretty decent yeah um she, she works for him as well she she works for um drake she's she's a she's his lawyer isn't she yes yeah, she, or she's on like the team she's like she she yeah, I don't. I don't think she works for him, as in she works for the life. Or maybe she does. I, th- I think she works no. for the company, but no, she doesn't. She doesn't. Work. She, 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 her legal firm represents the life foundation. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Because much like Eddie's about to be fired for what happens next, she's fired for like the uh, the flip side of that. Yeah. Um, 
because she goes off out of the room and her laptop's on. And he logs into it, obviously knows her password, and starts reading her emails, which are about um, the deaths from the shuttlecraft, because three of them yeah. died. Um, we Dumpable don't... offence, that. <laughs> I'm sorry? Mm, it's, a, it's a dumpable offence, that, isn't it? Yeah, re- I think that is, re- yeah. Reading your partner's think... private stuff. Yeah, well, not only that, there's the sort of... Uh, GDPR, all kinds of problems. Like, GDPR is a European Union rule. I know, but still, but lawyer, <laughs> from an law, EU there's, point of view. There's lawyer, there's lawyer client privilege, though. <laughs> doesn't even apply, but doesn't um, Yeah, but there's lawyer, law, lawyer client privilege. Exactly, this is it. Confidentiality. That'll be a work email. And it is a sackable offence because he's he's logged into what presumably is either a work e- a work laptop or at least her work email. Mm. Um, and it's sackable and dumpable. Yeah. So, but he goes to see Drake the next day, which is meant to be this like meet and greet. He's meant to be walking yeah. around with a camera on him, going, "What fascinating work you're doing here." We see Drake talking to the kids about. What is he talking to the kids about? He's just—they're just on a tour, and he sort of gives them an introductory, and yeah, we go. He said something like something would be cool, eh? Wouldn't it? And I can't remember what that was. Doesn't really matter, I suppose. Um, Yeah, obviously he's trying to like find life on other planets as well. So I think he's like obviously something to do with space. Yeah. Um, And starts asking him about the deaths. And Drake immediately like cuts the interview short, and next thing we see, Eddie's being fired. This film's really efficient. Straight back to his office, he's fired. Yeah, he we don't like wasting time. To, he goes to meet her from work. She's walking out with the contents of her desk, and she breaks up with him literally there and then on the street. So I don't know where we are in the running time at this point, but that's pretty efficient. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So she. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, breaks breaks up. So they've established that they're engaged. So she gives them back the ring, and uh, we cut to the the paramedic or the the medic arriving at a market, and then there's a bit of altercation there. Um, yeah, so wasn't that in the trailers? When the when she, when her arm turns into like a yeah, like goes yeah. like when she sort of spears Terminator Two style. Yeah, yeah. I did um, think. Hold on a minute. I've seen the film before. And she goes over to like a. A quite frightened, infirm, older lady yeah. in the market touches her, not sexually, uh, but no. touches her and heals that lady and clearly passes the symbiont over yeah. to her. And the kind of the implication we don't follow every every move of this symbiont, but it's quite clearly making its way around the world through different bodies. Yeah, and I think the tra- the reason she transferred to that old woman is she's now been spotted killing people in that form so mm. yeah um uh yeah then i think we cut to 6 months later eddie's living in a well i was about to say a shit old apartment but in san francisco it'd probably still be quite expensive it'd still be quite nice and yeah, yeah still quite, i mean quite it, a bit of money that, that, that's the thing, like, there is a bit of... One of the things I did sort of think about in the, in the film is, like, he, he, he comments out he's, like, lost everything. Like, he, you know, he mentions, I, I, I lost lost my apartment. And it's like, your apartment looks actually pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. It's just it's quite nice. It's quite big. Basic. Uh, I do remember, I think it was Now Playing podcast reviewed this film, and the only thing I can remember from their review is where one of the presenters who knows the West Coast said, that apartment would be $5,000 a month. 
Yeah, didn't they sort of live near the area or something? I was and just like, he just sort of said how you know could say how much it would, how yeah, much it would it, cost it's you. One of those. Yeah, I mean, inland you can get some incredible houses so much cheaper than in this country, but like on the coasts, I get the impression that property can be extremely. Yeah, even the Bay Area. Oh my gosh. Um, beautiful but very expensive. I I've got some irrational issues with this film in that just some cliches it falls into, like. Um, I have a real problem when people are job hunting and they circle something in the paper. I don't know why. I don't like that. Firstly, would you job hunt that way in this day and age? But secondly, if you see something, a fairly sizable advert in the middle of the page, do you need, mm. do you do you need, need a big red pen to circle around it in pen? He also does um, that annoying thing where like, he'll get a drink out of the fridge and then like not drink it or leave it on the side or take a, you know, take a swig and then leave out on the side of those that's <laughs> quite annoying as well you get the impression he might be blacklisted because he's ringing up you know saying i can pretend to be somebody else and yeah. stuff like that and yeah. then he's circling dishwasher and i'm thinking that's the one you want to circle dishwasher i know you're a bit desperate but you've circled like that oh god i remember that one yeah it's just to sound that that's how desperate he is yeah he's um, obviously fallen off quite a high perch it gets the point across i just think it's done a bit lazily it's a bit it does kind of hammer the point home really doesn't it it's a bit kind of hit you on the head with it He's, he's introduced as like as drunk as well. He's obviously he's a bit, looks looks even like more scruffier and a bit a bit worse for wear. Um, well, I was uh, I was about to say that's the cliche of men falling apart without a woman, but yeah, actually it's not really a cliche. It's true. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Oh, well, um, he, he witnesses a uh, like you know the, the you know crime at work. You know it's you know the well. It's not real. Well, it's it, it is it's crime. He's, every, he's a friendly sort. He goes to like night stores because that's another thing. Everyone shops at like a local convenience place. And yeah, does their like shop, does their shopping at night. At, like, um, he's talking to a homeless lady who's outside, and she's taken all the papers, and he gives her like twenty dollars. So he's a good egg, really, and mm. he hasn't really got that money. So yeah. Uh, Decent, basically, um, but a little bit of cowardice there because stuff's going on in the store and he won't have any part of it. Um, Please, aren't they? <laughs> okay. I know that's the thing. I don't. It doesn't work in American films, but they still try to play that. Yeah. But he walks over with a drink and a sandwich and stuff, and he's like, you know, he's almost he's one step away from lovely weather. We've been happening. We've <laughs> I was going to say that would be the next line um, if it was a because, British film. That was what yeah, he would say. She, she's just been like, it, it's clearly something more because he keeps going in and like. Shaking her down for more money. It's like yeah, you like protection and things like that. Yeah, though he looks like an armed robber as opposed to a mobster, but whatever. Um, then what? Uh, well, yeah, it's just sort of the supposition where we've been. It's like it's six months afterwards. Uh, the Life Foundation. Um, uh, what Drake is, fa- he's found like a match with with the uh, with a rodent. It's kind of similar to a couple of weeks ago, really, isn't it? Uh, and he's like, right, we must switch to it's human trials. It's, it's a rabbit in this case. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, similar to the um, mice or whatever it was, or gerbils mm. in yeah the the Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. And uh, the the scientist played by Jenny Slate, um, it, it's like showing a bit concerned because he's like he's he's very much he basically sort of like aggressively kind of like sort of. Yeah, threatens her really, doesn't he? Kind of like sort of threatens her job. Yes. 
in a in a passive kind of way. It's sort of, um, it's immediately we've got to go to um, human trials. Yeah, such a cliche of these films. That, because yeah, it's that well is the cliche, I must say. Like, How does it work with some and not others? They uh, they make it analogous to organ donation. Mm. You know, so they, you've just got to be something of a match. And they start experimenting, we find out, on homeless people because in time we're going to find out that homeless lady's gone missing from her street corner. Mm. Um, there is already a guy there, isn't there, but about to be test, tested on. Uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of... Um, that, yeah, he that, it, it kind of gives like a... I think that happens a bit later on, I imagine, but um, he he kind of gives like a sort of like a speech about how like you know it's meant to be motivational, and it's he he kind of talks about like you know the in the like a Bible about Isaac and things like that, and how God doesn't really exist, but kind of like talks like it like it's almost like it's, if he's basically like replacing God, mm. like I won't let you down, and then and then just sort of. Let lets the symbiote take take over and it kills him. He goes like, okay, next. Um, yeah, bring in, bring in the next volunteer. He says, yeah, because he's just that evil. Although Jenny Slate looks suitably horrified, she does actually do you know do the reaction work here. Mm. Um, so she does a good job, you know, considering this is like her first Columbia movie, and she does a really good job. So I've got a fun fact about her later on in the show. Cool. Um, Eddie goes to see Anne only to find she's on a date uh, and she's like why are you here and it's like I miss you um, and that's about it for that scene yeah. it's just they're still thinking of each other well he's still thinking of her and, and the, she's moved on the, the scientists also this is where we also see the scientists approach uh, Eddie because he, he goes back notices the, the homeless lady isn't there anymore uh, and that's where he's sort of like talk, talking about like following and things like that. He says, in my job, you have to sort of sink into the background, follow people that don't want to be followed and that sort of thing. Mm. And he said, and you're terrible at it. Mm. And uh, it turns out Jenny Slate's in there, basically, Dr. Dora. And she just hands, I think she hands him a card or something, but she just hints at things going on. Yeah, and at first he's like, I don't want anything to it because, you know, it cost me my job and relationship and home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he eventually does call her and she sneaks him in sort of in the back of the car. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of get, well, they're about to get caught by a guard and he, she kind of runs distraction while he ends up in there and he spots um, the homeless lady. Yeah. And she attacks him. Yeah, he gets her out initially. Tries to save her because he, you know, she looks like. Oh yeah, because she... she's been shot away. Yeah, she's been mm. kidnapped, which is true. She has been kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, she ends up like uh, attacking, and the symbiote passes on to him, and then she's dead. Uh, she's she's dead because that seems to happen when you know the symbiote just seems to sort of just just kill whatever organism is in, and. Um, well, they're not feeding it at this point, mm. are they? So it probably has eaten her organs, plus probably not a perfect match and things like that. I don't think it's necessarily... Well, we see later in the film that when the symbiote leads, leaves Eddie, <coughs> Eddie isn't dead. But I don't think that's a plot hole. Mm. I don't think so. I think, it's, I think that does actually work, that it's established that it, it will eat you uh, if you don't um, feed it properly. And, of course, she's basically locked up yeah, I think I think it can because 
survive longer if it's more of a match. So it's more compatible with... Um... It, there's an element of balance between the two creatures, it seems. Mm. Again, we're, we're kind of inferring all this, but I think the film gives you enough to infer that. Um, so Eddie now has the symbiote. Um, and he doesn't quite know know that yet. Um, no, he doesn't. He doesn't know that yet. He's. Um, uh, I think the next thing is Drake finding the body, and that there's mm-hmm. a symbiote out on out of the facility. The, yeah, there's a bit of a chase scene. He's like doing. He's he, yeah. He's like he's jumping over things and breaking through things like that he wouldn't normally do. But uh, in the heat of the moment, he's just trying to get away. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, um, so yeah, it's not much to say. Just a bit of a chase scene. Um, but he gets away. Yeah. And Eddie starts getting like, well, he's very sweaty, very mm-hmm. pale, and extremely hungry, even for food that's rotted. Mm. He's picked like chicken yeah, bones. That was disgusting. Out. I. Oh. <laughs> it's the chicken bones because I've smelled off chicken before and I've yeah. tasted off chicken before. So I was just, um, you could almost taste it seeing it. Obviously, it's not off if you're going to make an actor eat it, but they've, they've dressed it just well enough. Yeah, they make it look great. And he's just eating everything that goes and he's got like a bit of a fever mm-hmm. i can't remember when he first hears the voice he kind of he kind of look yeah it's, i think it's like kind of there he starts like washing his face and it's like he's, he's burning up and then he just hears like feed me or something like that and he's just like what yeah Which... um and i think that might be when he goes to the restaurant this film does whip along mm. he goes Anne and her partner i've forgotten his name yeah. They're in a restaurant, and he turns up there. It's the scene where he gets inside the um, sort lobster of lobster tank. lobster tank and mm. just eats the head off it and stuff. That's, and oh my god! That it, it, yeah, it's there. He sort of established that he because um, he makes comments like it's not fresh. Yeah. So he kind of he, wants more like live food. Yeah, and I think also um, he could be arrested here, but it's actually the boyfriend who rescues him and says, mm. "Look." my patient and takes him straight in for tests mm. and we first establish here that the MRI is too noisy for the symbiote yeah, yeah it's, it's over a certain number of decibels it's isn't a certain it? frequency I think certain frequency that was it yeah well they're, they're quite noisy though and then we have the funny scene with the neighbour um, he's annoying where he does knock on the door and just the symbiote eyes come out of the face mm. Um, like, yeah, that was a bit creepy. I was like, "Ooh!" <laughs> and then basically, Drake's yeah. gang attack the home, um, and Eddie's about to give up, and the symbiote just attacks for him, fights them all off, and he's like apologising while he's doing it. <laughs> he's like, "I'm sorry." This yeah, he's, all... he, he, he's got his arms up, and and he's like, "Take it, yeah, put your arms down. You're embarrassing me." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's all really well played. Yeah. And the the only slight complaint is the effects are ropey as hell, but it's fine. And I think it leads straight onto a motorcycle chase, which they yeah, used it's, ex- it's they used that extensively for the trailer, didn't they, Chris? Mm. If you remember him yeah. with his arms pulling down the symbiote's arms, connecting with the mm. bike and pulling him back towards. So this is one of the signature. This and the reveal of the full symbiote, which is in this scene as well were like centerpieces of the trailer yeah this, this is, is probably quite, the best quite action extensive yeah it's quite extensive action sequence it is it you know starts with like you know fight fighting this flat and then he's getting away stops for a bit while he's 
Um, then I have a bit of a talk. But then he's obviously you got the big motorbike chase and the the drones and everything, which you know again I, you know, I instantly thought of Fast and Furious Seven here, but like <laughs> like modern warfare on 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 the on the streets of of a major American city. Yeah. <laughs> And the arms sort of bonding to the bike and actually mm. doing the work for him and things like that. It's because the the only other action sequence in the film that would compete with this is a like blobby black mess. This is actually mm. the best action sequence in the film. Um, it's reasonably well done. It actually ends with sort of him fully transforming into Velum and pipe biting off one of their heads. Yeah. That was um, yeah, like a kind of for me that was kind of, some of the effects there were like a little bit stringy, I guess. But yeah, that was like it, I properly was. I was like, oh it, my god, <laughs> it's a bit, um, you know, it, it's a bit sort of choppy with that because it, you know, it kind of doesn't want to be as uh, as gruesome as that. But because can you remember like what watching it and each time it's like, did he did he just bite someone's head off? Because it's not not remotely that clear because it's a bit too quick with it. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess that's one of the things we have then, to kind of keep a rating down, haven't you? But... This film should have been R-rated, but it mm. took $850 million, so I can't criticise that it isn't. No, that's it. I mean, for um, a film that, you know, I think it's something that, that Tom Hardy spoke about, you know, in interviews and everything, it was kind of, he literally obviously did this film, something that, you know, obviously his son was a big fan and decided to make this one, you know, make this film, obviously, for, so he could make a film that his son could watch. But literally that was a compromise, you know, it was kind of PG-13 rating-ish a little bit. But also there's a scene where he bites somebody's head off. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that so that's it. Venom is now completely sort of revealed. Yeah. And, and uh, I can't remember how long into the film we were. I really can't. Well, if we're kind of zipping or along now. It's like, similar. yeah, probably. Because he, you know, he, he jumps into the uh, the river and, and swims across the other side and has a full-on chat with him. Right. Okay. Yeah, so that's why like, sort of Venom actually sort of like pops out, his head pops out of him. So oh, awesome. yes, yeah, yeah, no, that's all right, yes. Because that's meant to look a bit stylized anyway, so I don't mind mm-hmm. that looking less than perfect. Um, yeah, okay, so then what? Um, yes, yeah, so it goes, so uh, Dan sort of like looking at the, the report said like, oh, I need to, I need to see Eddie, I need to like examine him because he's, he's concerned about the... the he's got a parasite. Yeah. Mm. Um, and... How that would show on the test, I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Eddie tries to break into the old build in his old job, basically. To, yeah, to leave again, the evidence. Pa- pally old Eddie. He's re- he's quite friendly with the security mm. guard there, and he's he's wor- he's frightened of the symbiote at this point. So he's like, please don't argue. Because it was earlier in the film, he, he he parked where he wanted and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. Um, and it ends up sort of on the roof, doesn't it? Yeah. So he, um, yeah. So he, he he ends up sort of managed to sort of get get into like his old boss's like office, and and leaves like the his phone with like where he's taking like photos. And sort of said, do the right thing or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and then he sort of goes to goes to leave. You know, Venom suggests uh, you know going out the window, and he goes to goes to the lift. And he hears like pussy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah. I actually laughed out loud. I was like, what? 
it's quite because funny. Because Sean Connery, we, yeah. we, we find out later, like, Venom is kind of the nerd of his species. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a cool little wrinkle as well. Yeah, it's kind of all quite, you know, quite tough, quite hard and saying, you know, he's doing things that he wouldn't ordinarily do and find out right. he's a bit annoyed. Yeah. Okay, so we've determined it's a parasite. Um, and this is like multiple points of the film. I'm always it, it's, expecting it's, a funnier line, but he's always like, I've got a parasite. And this is like, oh, okay. It's a, it's a draining, it's draining on his, his heart's damaged, his heart's atrophied, they've said. Um, I can't remember at what point. Yeah, there's they, they switch on. I don't know if it's the MRI that switches on, but basically they yeah. separate Eddie from the symbiote and then shut it in the room. Mm. But it gets out through like a vent. Yeah. And sort of latches onto a dog. Um, we do see the uh, the elderly woman is now now sort of passes the symbiote the riot symbiote of over to like a little girl. Mm. I don't know how this girl travels. That's scary. Back. She's terrifying. Oh my god. Yeah, she's it's like a bit, it's a bit the shy. Uh, and and the little and the little dog as well. I just think, oh my god. Yeah. Things that are meant to be small, cute, and fluffy are actually terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, that's just yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's by the by. I mean, yeah, she doesn't seem to be. There's things things like little girl. She doesn't seem to be traveling with anyone particularly. So. <laughs> yeah. No. No, that's the thing. That's a bit awkward. But she does uh, find Drake and basically mm. pass the symbiote onto him. Yeah. And then I think this is so efficient. He goes straight to Eddie to sort of ask him where that, that symbi- his symbiote is. Yeah, because they um, they basically sort of yeah we did miss out. He has a fight with the cops as well in the building. Uh, the, yes, that's he does. a big segment. But um, uh, yeah, the, the he gets separated from the symbiote. Dumby goes to the dog, and um, Drake's meant to sort of basically sort of capture Eddie. Um, and they take him to uh, Drake, and he's sort of basically sort of trying to find out where the symbiote has gone. Yeah, um, the, because they think there's hundreds more of them in space, mm. and they think that they can use humans as hosts because they need to be with an oxygen carrying mm. being, um, and it will, you know, eventually we can travel it will allow us to travel through space as well so because they can do without oxygen and things like that so it, it's it's kind of a batshit idea and it would mean sort of all humans being partnered with symbiotes mm. um i think at that point Anne yeah, Anne gets the gets venom from the dog is that right uh, yeah i mean how I mean, it's not shown but you just sort of see uh, Anne figures out that like the symbiote has gone into a dog yeah. Or Venom's gone into a dog. Yeah, we uh, don't actually see it transfer. And we Drake. see Venom later. Yeah, and Basically, Drake. Venom with boobs. Yes. Yes. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, Drake basically sort of thinks, well, you know, no, Eddie's no good to me, and decides to kill him off in the woods. That's right, but before they can do that, like, a, a mysterious figure appears, but obviously it's Anne inside the Venom mm. outfit. Um, basically, a feminised Venom. I read somewhere um, wasn't she originally meant to be like a female character anyway, or wasn't there meant to be kind of like a female offshoot there is, of the yeah. character? Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. Uh, this is comic book. Well, oh. I would say comic, but accurate. Mm. But yeah, her becoming a, a no, I did, I did think so. Um, she just Sorry, she, uh, she bites... I'm probably going to annoy lots of fans by not knowing no, that. But I... 
why i mean it's why would we know it, it and the thing is these films have to stand alone anyway so it's fine well, to add, it. ask what's in comics but what, whether they are dear or not it's like i've said we're going to cover x-men one day and how comic book accurate it is in that particular case isn't going to be a big stumbling block for me um it is sometimes it just depends on the property um but yeah, she, team. She, she kills the main uh not the main bad guy but the main hedge henchman mm. kisses eddie to transfer venom back to him Ooh. And then we we head off to Act Three, basically, which I can think we can whip through quite quickly because it's yeah, it's, it zips along. It zips yeah, along, but it's not that basically. Yeah, Drake uh, on and Riot are, are basically going to sort of set up um, the a setting launch for this spacecraft, uh, and then to go and bring back more symbiotes, I yeah. think. Yeah, and then kills all his team. Yeah. And then it's like, fine, I'll just jump on it while, you know, as the countdown's going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit of Thunderbirds Argo, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I just don't know why he's not already in the suit, like, on the space shuttle already. Why, why, you know, but anyway, that, that, that was one part that I just thought was a bit... I'm not quite sure of the plan, you know... No, but it's something to do with going and getting more symbiotes, which is obviously quite dangerous to Earth and humans. uh, Because obviously when they're not a match, you die. And when they are a match, you don't have, you know, you could be bonded Mm -hmm. with anything. Um, But I really don't want to say much about Act 3. He's trying to stop. Eddie is trying to stop this thing taking off. And it ends up with a big battle in the dark between Venom and Riot, who Riot's a little bit bigger. And there's a bit of sort of purple in his colouring, but they are very similar to look at, and it's all a bit messy. Mm. And there, you know, uh... the worst part is you see the CGI faces of both uh, of uh, Riz Ahmed and um, and and Eddie Brock, don't you? And Tom Hardy. Yeah. It's just yeah. to... it. It just... just looks naff. They, 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 their ambition is greater than their sort of pocketbooks. Mm. They don't have enough money for this. And again, you, you've stuck got... I know you do it with Batman and others, but this is a particularly bad example of a sort of shiny, gloopy black thing against a black background, and it, it doesn't really work. No, the visibility isn't um, really great. I mean, they've tried to include... like There are some like silver threads and other sort of... Yeah. Other images there, but yeah, it's kind of especially because a lot of this film happens at night as well. Um, and yeah, Basically they're, they're... ends up with Eddie killed, but Venom reattaching and fixing. so reviving. And then they leap onto the rocket, damage the fuel line as it explodes. Um, Venom protects Eddie, Eddie by sort of turning into a parachute, and it's never actually. Um, shown that he did burn up completely at this point mm. but that's what's assumed that both symbiotes died in the explosion yeah because uh the symbiote sort of saves eddie because uh yeah. he's had a change of heart yeah he's he is basically i wasn't cool on my on my home planet yeah. you know i kind of i kind of like it I here like and you. i kind of like you yeah yeah well yeah i mean in the final scenes of the film they're debating what you know you can't eat bad guys and Mm. stuff like that and he's like you know basically feed me and all your liver will start looking quite nice so in other words they'll coexist um i think it goes to eddie and Anne sat on the doorstep to their old apartment where Mm. Anne still lives and they're quite friendly now um he's been offered his job back but he's turned it down to sort of be freelance 
Um, we revealed that Venom is still there. Um, and not to say anything to Anne. He walks away, bumps into Eddie, uh, to Stanley, Stanley Cameo, yeah. both, who refers to him as both of them. Uh, and then they just walk around having a bit of chat about what the ground rules are mm-hmm. um, and what they're going to have to food, food. And then he goes into the store where there's another robbery from that guy. Yeah, he uh, tries it on again, doesn't he? And they decide to sod it on Venom and they, they do kill him. <laughs> Teach us some lesson. Although we see him walk out and there's no blood or damage or anything well, on the floor. It's, yeah, it. It, it's applied that he just swallows them whole. Yeah. Quite yeah, we just kind of see him go, oh, and you see kind of like Venom go towards him, and you just kind of, it, yeah. there's a cut right there, and you just sort of think, oh, it's <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it's implied that. Yeah. And, he, got and then he's like, I've got a parasite. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, he sort of shrinks by that time, he's like, um, I've got a parasite. It's like, how many times did I say that line? It's like an iconic line, but still. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 it is. But, um, Along with what was the other one? It's like, heart, lungs, pancreas, you know, so many snacks all at the time. Which is like another classic line, apparently. But it's, just like, it... it's literally it's one of those films where it would make a good drinking movie. Like if you take a shot every time he says that line, you get hammered. Then uh, the mid credits is Eddie going to the prison to interview a serial killer there, mm. Cletus Cassidy, the crazy hairdo, who says, "When I'll when I'm released, there'll be carnage." <laughs> dun dun dun! <laughs> Boom. A line full of foreboding. And then you say there was a, cr- a clip of Into the Spider Verse that must have what. Yeah. made it so long but um is it one continuous clip or is it a bit of a show reel it you know it's it's one continuous clip it's just a bit where he's like it's at the you know the the, the ends at the grave or you know he's like sliding along and there's like um i can't remember all right. too well but i think yeah well, yeah okay so final okay. thoughts on this really quite efficient and as we've talked through it i'm a bit more respectful of the structure than i had been does miss spider-man there it does miss even that sort of visual, because there is a bit where um, Michelle Williams sees Venom holding like one of the cops and or security or whatever, mm. and the size differential is immense, and that would have been kind of cool if it's Spider-Man. But um, so the storytelling's efficient, the lead's good. It could have been a lot worse. It's a little bit rote. It's a little bit perfunctory. It's a little bit paint by numbers, but it doesn't do anything seriously wrong. I, I'm a bit baffled as to. I, you know, I can't. I can't see it being many people's sort of favourite superhero film or anything like that. Although I'm sure some people really like it, um, but there's not an awful lot wrong with it either. It got terrible reviews. Mediocre is the watchword here. It's okay. Yeah, I think that's, that's a bit harsh. That's... A lot of like two and three star reviews. It's like, well, no, it, it wasn't, it wasn't about, terrible. But that's about where I'd put it. To be fair. And again, if it's a two-star, it's probably rotten. So maybe, but I just think it's added up to an overall image of a right stinker, and it's it's okay. Yeah, it's not as you know, as, as you said at the top. You know, it's kind of it's all became fashionable for a while to kind of to rip this one, this film, a new one. Basically, so, well, that's not really the case. Sometimes, <clears throat> you know, I, I think you know, critics don't really give some of its fair dues, and when they all decided not to enjoy it, it's already kind of. You know, unless it does something like really like special or like or or pull something that I can really like a real surprise out the bag, then it's end up going to you know get a negative review. You know, it's fine. You know, it's actually quite lean and and enjoyable. It's actually you know a lot last last week because of Tom Hardy he gives a really sort of kind of a balanced comedic performance which which makes you laugh and. Uh, 
And you know, some of the action is is pretty good. You know, some of the special effects, not so much. But the, the mid the mid film action sequence is actually very good indeed. Yeah, and you know, and but the real selling point is Tom Hardy, you know, as Eddie Brock and Venom, and and the and the reaction and stuff. engaged. Yeah, and engaged. He doesn't play it like it's a paycheck, which worried me at the outset when he said all the good stuff was cut out. I thought, well, your heart's not been in this film then. Also, oh, yes, yeah, so there, there must be like a ton of stuff. So it's probably, it's probably more, mostly because of violence, I would have thought. Yeah, I think so. I think there's probably an R-rated um, cut of this. Mm. Yeah, there probably is somewhere along the line. Might be somewhere online. There is like a, yeah, on the cutting room floor is an R-rated movie. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I want to say. Really, it's a it, it's a lean, mean, killing machine. <laughs> but don't you? Well, it really is. You know, I think that's right. What did you think, Becca? Um, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, for, yeah, for all its faults, yeah, it's it's okay. I would say it's a solid. I don't know. I started giving star ratings recently. Probably three, three and a half stars, definitely. Um, Tom Hardy's always brilliant. Um, quite like whatever he does, really, even if he does sound a bit funny. Um, not sure about his accent. Um, but at least I can understand what he was saying. He, he <laughs> is, to like Bane, for example, where he is quite muffled, obviously. He is just at doing American accents, you know. Yeah, but God love him. He does try, and he still puts on a good show anyway. Um, short short run time, you know, really works in its favour, whips along at a really brisk pace. Many um, sort of downfall, really, was kind of, didn't really get, I mean, obviously setting in San Francisco, didn't really get a sense of the city, but it's just nice to kind of a comic book Um movie that's kind of that's not new york or not a new york-esque type city um obviously san fran pops up a lot of you know it pops up about three or four times in in the mcu which is always good to see um some great action scenes as i say we mentioned kind of like the fight in, in the apartment is probably like, the midway action scene is probably the best one in the film um for me as well i mean despite some kind of ropey sfx shots um, but generally it's quite good um i think the, the venom suit is kind of is, is really effective, especially there's that scene towards the end where you kind of see him and sort of in, see Eddie kind of encased in in the symbiote, I guess, yeah. which looks particularly effective. Um, and any scene like involving like long tongue is very freaky. I'm glad I didn't see that film in 3D. I'm glad they put that in because it is kind of the grotesque thing about the. It really is. Character. It really is. Um, Gotta have the mouth, helps. the tongue. It helps to kind of cement that. So when we when we announced that we were recording our review of this film, that's the kind of that's the gift that you put out on our Twitter feed there. And I think that's another iconic um, aspect about the character as well. Obviously, um, as part of his like, grotesque appearance, as well as he's kind of got these extending limbs that can do can do whatever. Um, he's also got this really bleh, really gross tongue <laughs> that kind of goes here, there, and everywhere. Um, it reminded me a little bit of <laughs> this just popped into my brain. This will sound really stupid, but. Um, the animated movie Fern Gully, for example, say so, like the villain that I think is played by Tim Curry, who's kind of basically like pollution, like a lot of slime and um, smog and just general, general nastiness. And just the way that um, the way that Venom's limbs are kind of animated and they move along, it's they're kind of like slithering along and just like they just cover everything in its path. That's what it just reminded me of a little bit. Just literally popped into my brain, so excuse that. That's an unexpected laugh for people there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was okay. Three stars. That's all I'm going to say. And that was Becca's uh, star That was my three-star review. <laughs> I don't know why I started doing that. It's not really a thing. Yeah. We did have an idea for Becca's hot bedroom tips, but it, it, it's not remotely what you think it would be, and we don't want to like just tease you pointlessly. <laughs> it genuinely does fit 
some advice we were given. Uh, but it's not what you would think. I've got another, I've got another whole bedroom tip for you as well. Apparently, yes. it was actually bed. It was actually tips for what to do when your bedroom's hot. That's all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hot right here in the UK and England right now. It's quite warm weather. Having quite warm weather. Yeah, and so we're discussing the thing is with Dave. Even if you even explaining it in a general sense, it, it still doesn't sound any better. It's like <laughs> Becca's hot bedroom. But mm. what, what, like least sexiest thing ever. What do oh, you do when you want to cool down your hot bedroom? Well, well pull your you clothes like off and then try to do something to take your mind off it. <laughs> I, I, I like to be fanned. <laughs> I like what to get cool ice cubes and then uh, put them in my mouth. <laughs> Hold them down, my moist skin. I, I like to take a, like a, my, a nice cold drink and put it against my face. <laughs> This is turning into a Farshay sketch. There it is. Brilliant. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Chris, what did you think? Oh, I've already, I've already given my... Uh... I know. She's been <laughs> flustered with all this bedroom talk. She'll, she'll ask me in a minute. There it is. Me as a vet vector, I know well, she's yeah, well, as t- red as a fucking beetroot right now <laughs> laughing at this. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you what, Becca. I actually... Don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because I've just you know talked for about this film and I don't remember anything. I, I, I yeah, I can't think of anything. To yeah, say yeah. About. me neither. I, I was actually trying to turn the subject in, in a lewd direction to cover <laughs> my genuine lack of knowledge about the film. If only we had like a, a someone else on the podcast who was uh, really embarrassed by. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps but somebody, if... perhaps someone who could provide some erotic facts about the film. <laughs> Or not. Her choice. What do you reckon, Becca? <laughs> no erotic facts, unfortunately. Have, have you got facts about how to cool down one's bedroom? Starring I do. Top hard on. <laughs> Top hardy. <laughs> I could have done hardy facts. I really could have done, but... I thought, no. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find out facts about this film. Not particularly fun. But... Yeah, some facts about if you want to cool down if it's hot at night and you want to cool yourself down. Uh, my dad, hot tip from my dad, apparently, get a pair of socks, put them in the fridge, and then wear them <laughs> before you go to bed. And apparently it cools you down. I'm actually going to try that. Yeah, I, I thought I might try that as well, see what happens. Um, but I mean, I I mean, I mean I'll, I'll probably get some dodgy looks from, from a girlfriend. But yeah. I would say your partner might be like, yeah. oh, what are you doing? They try to put you in bed, you'll be like, oh, it's freezing. Uh, another one would be to take a hot water bottle, um, obviously fill it with cold water, pop that in the fridge right now before you go to bed, and then just take it with you to bed. Give it a cuddle. And apparently that cools you down as well. I've not tried that, so. But I regularly yeah. use them anyway for my back, so that's why I'm extra warm in bed. Yeah, yeah, my, my, my girlfriend has the same thing. But it might be handy. You can buy just the little ones and to put down your cruisers, so... I don't know if that would help. But anyway, fun facts about this movie. Uh, fun fact number one. Um, apparently, Mandalorian star Pedro Pascal and former Doctor Who actor Matt Smith were also considered for the role of Carlton Drake. So that could be quite interesting. Um, fun fact number two, as I mentioned earlier, um, Tom Hardy kind of took the lead role in this film, as apparently his son Lou was a really big fan of the character. And um, where Tom Hardy didn't know a lot 
about the character. His son was like, oh yeah, he does this and does this and was, you know, was able to help him out and inform him a little bit. Um, and he agreed to do this film because obviously it's a compromise because he usually acts in quite pro, like violent, really adult films. Um, but he agreed to be the lead in this film um, because of the PG-13 rating. Um, so it was a, a compromise and it was a film that, that he could let his son watch, which is quite nice. Uh, fun fact number three, both Tom Hardy and Jane Slater obviously played characters in DC Universe. Obviously, Tom Hardy is well known for playing Bane in Dark Knight Rises. Um, and Jenny Slate also voiced Harley Quinn in the 2017 Lego Batman movie, which is an absolute scream. I can highly recommend it. It's so funny. She's also she also um, dated uh, Chris Evans, Captain America. Oh, so she did. Claim to fame. How about that? So, yeah, crossing all the, uh, all the divides, all the universes. Um, fun fact number four. This is not political in any way, shape or form. Um, obviously, Eddie Brock and Dr. Scott chat via the, um, I can't pronounce it, QQ, I'm just going to call it QQ, um, platform on their phones. Obviously owned by Tencent, um, which is a huge Chinese tech media conglomerate and um, produced this film as well. Um, they've got exclusive rights to distribute distribute Sony movies in China um, and have offices in San Francisco where this film is set. Uh, fun fact number five, Venom actually ranks number t- 22 not number two, but 22, as the greatest comic book villain of all time in IGN's list of top 100 comic book villains. So that's my seven facts. <laughs> oh, that we're facted out. And then an extra fact from you, Chris. So eight facts. So yeah, get your money's worth this week. We didn't spend anything, so... Considering it's free. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. You wouldn't get a refund from us, believe it. No. Um, Sorry. Exchange? Credit note. Credit note. That it'll entitle you, right. you to one free podcast the following week. Okay. Let's pass as, out my water. As for social media, you can find me at the Pastor Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Simtrites. Uh, I'll say that again. You can you can you can find me on Twitter at Simtrites, and you can also find all the old episodes at Simtrites.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter at. Expect us to talk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and anywhere else you like to get your podcast from. You just type in uh, Do You Expect to Talk? Find us on there. And don't forget, wherever you can find us, to rate us, review us, to like us, and share us. Thank you. And where are you so people can come and find your hot bedroom tips? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you don't want to find those. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing just before we sort of run into next week i think next week is a watershed in a lot of ways and i think one of those things is chris hit on something where he said that i think it was chris who said it that this film carried a little bit of ill will when it came out and some of the reviews the number of or the venom no pun intended of some of the worst reviews was probably brought by the fact that at this point sony really didn't have any goodwill with the fans and i think the whole idea of them expanding their bit of the spider-verse i think there was fear that it would damage the marvel cinematic universe that it was a bit desperate and a bit flogging a dead horse and and that their track record with the previous three spider-man films suggested that maybe they just didn't really get the character or have much mm. care for it and i think what changes that is what's coming next week which means Becca. Do you expect to talk or return with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? 